and we all belong. We all have a place. This is our call. This is for his kingdom. This is the Arkansas God sees. All right. Morning, family. Everybody doing all right today? Come on. If you love God, let's make some noise for him. It's good to serve God. It's good to be in his house. What's up? Good to see you. Sorry to mention the hogs so soon. I know it was too soon. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on from that, though. Uh, Jesus is still on the throne. So, hey, uh, my name's James. If I haven't met you yet, I'm the pastor here. And uh, this morning, we're going to have what we'd consider family time. Uh, meaning, if you came over to my house, um, we ate dinner. Eventually, we'd move in, sit on the couches, and just sit and, and talk about life and where you're at and where I'm at and, and, uh, and have good discussion. And uh, that's going to be what today is is like. And so if you're visiting today, I'm so glad that you're here. You picked a great day to come and hear what God is doing in us and through us as a church. Uh, A lot of people you like to know when you go to a new church, like, what are these guys all about? Well, you can't hear all of that, but you're going to hear some of it. uh, Because today we're going to be talking about vision. I'm very proud of this campus. I'm proud of you, my family, my church family. God has been doing so many incredible things around here. Some of the things that I love the most as a pastor that that I get to witness uh, week in and week out. I I love altar calls. I love seeing people raising their hand, coming to the altar to get right, to surrender their life to Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I, I love water baptisms. I love it. I love people's faces when they come out of the water. There's nothing like that. Uh, And for some of them, it's the first time that they've truly obeyed Jesus completely and wholly. Uh, I love life groups. I love hearing about what God's doing through your life groups and in your life groups. And I I love missions trips. I love seeing the pictures. I love going every once in a while, but I love seeing our people engaged and not just international missions, but local missions as well, and everything that God is doing through that. Also love seeing somebody fully engaged in worship, you know, where they actually participate. Now, I'm not talking about the, like, progression of hand-raising, like, hold my TV, you know, uh, Simba goalpost. I'm not talking about the progression of that, because some of y'all would say, look, I will never raise my hands in worship, and to that, I would answer that's okay, because that may not even be God's favorite form of worship. You may ask, what is God's favorite form of worship? Well, in the Word, God makes it really clear. He says he is looking for people that will worship him in spirit and authenticity, in spirit and in truth. So I would say this, quit worrying about not giving God your hands, just give him your heart. But I want to warn you, if you give him your heart, he may just ask for your hands too. Because he needs people to be surrendered with everything that they have for his glory and for his kingdom. The greatest adventure in life is to be used by God. What I enjoy almost more than anything else that we experience as a church is when you do the ministry. I'd much rather watch you do the ministry than ever talk about any ministry that I do. The greatest thing is to be used by God. And if you've never experienced that feeling, oh man, I'm sad for you. Because there is nothing more fulfilling and exciting than being used for something that is eternal 
but it's about souls. And here's the thing, God does want to use you. You need to know that. God wants to use you. And there's really only one qualification. Be usable. Just be usable. Just say, God, I I don't have it all together. I don't know everything I probably need to know, but I'm here and I'm ready. Use me. Look, when you put yourself in a spot where you just say, God, I'm usable, he he will wear you out in a good way. It'll be the best work you've ever done in your life for his kingdom. God has never made anything without giving it purpose. Everything that God has made has a purpose. Last year in the Discovery Channel, they they did a story about this new tribe that they found on the Amazon River. Isn't it incredible? They're still finding tribes. They're newly discovered tribes. They found this tribe, and in this tribe, there was a lady who had taught monkeys how to do everyday chores, like working around the house, like cleaning and sweeping and, you know, carrying stuff around. When I saw that, I'm just like, look, you know what, I want to bring my kids in here. (laughs) Because if this lady can teach a monkey to do this stuff, surely we can figure this. I mean, come on, if they can teach a dolphin to jump through a hoop at SeaWorld, surely you can take out the trash. Come on now, it can't be that difficult. The fact of the matter is, we're his kids and he's given us a task. And he's actually given us everything we need to accomplish that task. But we have to be willing and we have to be usable by him if we're going to accomplish the task. You know, Moses hit this point where he was confronted by the call of God in his life. And the biggest thing that God wanted to use him to do was to set the Israelites, his people, free from captivity. Which is a metaphor for what God wants to use us to do in other people's lives all day long. But he came to Moses at one point when Moses was, had kind of given up. He'd kind of settled He'd kind of gone to this place where he got comfortable. He's focused on his own world and what he was doing, and God showed up. We're going to look at that in Exodus chapter 3, verse 4. It says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, Here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place that you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land and into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of all the ites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. The heart of God in this, it's moving towards his people. And in this scripture, you can see where he says that he's seen them. 
He's heard them. He has felt. He's been concerned. He's been moved emotionally. And he says, I came to do something. But here's the thing. When God's ready to do something, he moves through people. So he said, Moses, you go. You go. But at this point, Moses' life, it was comfortable. You know, Moses was, he was raising a family. He was building a new career. He, he had to give up his old career. And now he's, he's got a new career and he's, he's building these things. He was comfortable. I want to ask you, please, please, don't ever get comfortable in this place. I love what we've built here. I love the AC. <laughs> I love we have parking. I love all those things. But the bottom line is this. I would empty this place out, take every light, paint every room some boring earth tone. I'd take out all the chairs. We would just sit on the floor. I would do all of that if it would keep you passionate about what makes God passionate. Because this is just a tool that God wants to use to reach people. Please don't get comfortable in a tool. Don't get comfortable with the walls. Don't get comfortable with your seat. Because the truth is, everything that happens in this place is not for in this place. It's for everybody that's outside of this place. That's why we do what we do. It's so that we can come in here and be filled with the Holy Spirit and celebrate what God has done and encourage each other. But then to take it from this place. I've mentioned before, a few years ago, I got to go to a place called Lodwar, Kenya. It's northern Kenya. And while we were there, there were these refugees that had come in from several surrounding nations. There were exiles, people that were, they were running away from extreme Muslims. They were running away from all kinds of persecution. And they were outside of this city in Lodwar, people without a nation. And they were in this camp, this refugee camp. And so we went into that place and we, we, we communicated the gospel. We shared the gospel 250 people raised their hand to give their lives to Jesus. Here's the thing, though. They were outside the city and not accepted in the city, so they didn't have a church. So we found the oldest, most mature person there, and we appointed them as a pastor. And we found some elders, and we found some other people that could lead. And we said, what you do is you just gather together, and you read the Word of God. That's what you do. Where do we meet? It's 117 degrees average temperature in Lodwar. So there was a big tree, this huge tree. We just said, as many as you can, you just gather underneath this tree. We went two weeks. We did some other ministry. We came back on a Sunday. There were 350 people there gathered under this tree. And all they did was read the word of God. And everyone leaned in. And they sang songs, and they clapped their hands, and they worshiped God, and there were no walls. Let us be a church that never has walls, even though we have to meet in walls. The sad thing is, from time to time, we need and have to build buildings, but that's never what it's about. In the Word of God, there's two words for the, for the church. There's the universal church, which is every believer worldwide. We're all a part of the church, the body of Christ. The other church is the local church. But guess what? Neither one had anything to do with the building. 
It had to do with people. And in Acts, when they would go into different places and then they'd build these churches that never had anything to do with building a building, it had to do with building people into community. That's what it was about. God wants us to be that kind of a church. The Bible talks about the cry of God for the lonely. We have to be the people that can reach out. Our bricks and mortar are nothing to me if we're not a real church that's doing the work of God. So how does God get us to move? Well, first of all, by showing us what he sees. By showing us what he sees. If we don't see what he sees, sometimes your eyes will lie to you. Look, every single person in here, you have a blind spot in your life. That's why you need community. That's why you need life groups. You need people that will come and love you enough to tell you, you can't see this, but we see it. And it's going to hurt you, and it's going to be a problem. And every one of us have blind spots. I found a blind spot of mine recently. Because I've always thought that, you know, Cody and I, we like to dance together. And I always thought, man, I had like a little bit of rhythm. Like, I always knew she looked good dancing, but I thought, oh, I can hang. It's not bad. But recently, we, Cody and I, I don't know what we're thinking, but we signed up for this Dancing with the Cabot Stars thing to raise money for the Cabot Panther Foundation, okay? So we're doing this thing, and we've been practicing. But I've never really danced a lot in front of a mirror. And I realize I have a glaring blind spot in my life. Because I don't look good dancing. I look like an angry prepubescent giraffe. That's what I look like. Super intense face, not a lot of coordination, not a lot of rhythm. It's not good, but... Baby, you laughing way too loud. <laughs> On the side of this bus sure does smell funny. <laughs> Every single person here has a blind spot. You need somebody to help you to see it. And you need to present yourself in the mirror of God's word, in the mirror of fellowship, so that you can see exactly where you're at. And can you see what God sees? Can you see what he sees? In Matthew 9, 36, it says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep without a shepherd. You will not be used by God until you can see what he sees the way he sees it. And by the way, if you get mad and frustrated at traffic leaving church or coming into church on Sunday... You don't see it. Don't get mad because there's a bunch of people coming to church. (laughs) But if you don't see it, you won't be moved. If you're not moved, you can't be used. We have to see it the way God sees it. God also helps us to move by showing us what He hears. What He hears. Back to Exodus, then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of the distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. Here's what I've learned. Just like when you don't always see everything clearly, you don't always hear everything clearly either. You ever had a conversation with someone you were so convinced they said it a certain way? No husband or wife in here can relate to that, right? 
No, I'm sure you said that. No, I didn't say it that way. So you just start recording everything, like, all the time. There was one time back when I was in Bible school where we were doing a youth conference, and uh, at the end of one of these nights, we had a, a, an altar call. So all these, these young students were coming up and getting prayer, and this young man came up to me, and, and the, the, the problem was the worship band was still playing behind us, and, and worship guys kind of get lost in their own world, and they play too loud sometimes when you're doing altar calls. And so I couldn't always hear everything he was saying, and so I was trying to listen what he wanted prayer for, but all that I really heard was that he had a drinking problem. So I started praying for this kid. Like, I was calling down fire from heaven, like breaking generational curses, like, this guy will never struggle with this addiction ever again for the rest of his life. And I got done praying. I opened my eyes, and this is the look he had on his face. And I was like, I don't know what's your problem. That was an awesome prayer, so... But I was wondering, like, why did he give me this look? So I asked his youth pastor a little bit later. I said, hey, man, I pray for so-and-so. And I said, can you tell me what his story is? He's like, yeah, he told me about you praying for him. I'm like, <laughs> he's like, here's the deal. He is like, he's like the most innocent, pure kid that we have in the whole youth group. But lately, he's been convicted that he's been drinking way too much Coca-Cola. I was like, well, he will never struggle with alcohol. Let me tell you that right now. (laughs) Got it covered. God will never scream his will into your life. His will will always come in a whisper. God will never be yelling louder than your schedule, than your priorities, than the things that you are putting At one point or another, you're going to have to get quiet and slow things down and create some margin if you want to hear the voice of God because he won't scream it and you could mishear him and not hear him at all. You could also make the decision just to choose not to listen. Confession time. Almost every one of our kids when they were babies, they cried at night. Reeves, he was the one that cried the most. He wasn't colky, but for a while there, he would just cry all the time, like every night. It was bad, but I would just pretend like I couldn't hear him. And I'd just bump Cody. And she'd wake up, oh, hey, babe, what's going on? What's going on? And she'd get up and go take care of my own baby. Make me a sandwich while you're up. Turns out he had an allergy to soy and dairy that she kept feeding him, so, you know, he didn't feel good. I think there's a real good chance that sometimes God is speaking to you and speaking to you very clearly. You're just choosing to have selective hearing and just pretend like you don't hear it at all. If we're going to do what God has asked us to do, we have to hear what he hears. Also, by showing us to go and to do our part. 
Verse 10, so now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Anyone that's ever going to be used by God eventually have to make a move. And by the way, it is your move. It's not his. He made his move. It's your move. But you have to be willing to make the move. The Lord told Moses, I see it, I hear it, I feel it. Now make a move. You have to go. The word says that God is compelled by his love for people to move. I think love has become a very generic term for us. Like, do we love the things that God loves? We throw love around way too easily. Like, I love my wife, but I love golf. And I love the Broncos. And I love the outdoors. And I love Sour Patch Kids. And I love Chick-fil-A. It is Jesus' chicken, that's right. (laughs) Except on Sunday. But when we love what God loves, just so you know what God loves is he loves people. And especially the lost. We have to reach the state. We have cities to reach. We have good people. We have good people around us all the time that are going to hell. Because they don't have the message of Jesus Christ. They have not surrendered their life to him as Lord and Savior. It's not because they go to church. It's not because they don't go to church. It's, it's, it's simply because until they surrender their life to Jesus, the word's very clear on this. God is asking us to go. So this is the best part of the whole service because I get to tell you what we're doing next as a church. Last night, Pastor Rick made a pretty significant announcement about the next step for us in vision as a church. Let's watch this together. We believe that next year, we do have a vision to plant 50 campuses, but... We believe next year the Lord is asking us to do many of them. We've been working on this a long time. and uh, But I have a confession to make. One of the reasons why we've only been planting one church or two churches a year, which for a lot of people, that seems like a lot. It's mainly just been because I've been afraid. I've just been afraid of the vision. I've gotten comfortable myself. Listen, uh, this church is plenty big enough for me. It's way bigger than I ever thought it would be. I would love to be able to tell you, yes, my leadership ability has just been able to grow a church. No, I really thought one day we would have 200 people and uh, I could go fishing with somebody on, 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 on Monday morning. And since then, there's just been year after year where I've wanted to settle and just slow down the vision because when I see the enormity of it, the cost of it, the price, I'm 55 years old now. I just want to slow down a little bit. But recently I admitted it to our whole staff that I'm the reason why we're not growing at the rate that I think that God would want us to. And they're all thinking, man, I thought we were doing great. No, no, no. Because I believe that there's a chance if we do this right, that over the next 10 years, Lord willing, now I don't know this to be true, 
that we could get to 50 campuses, which would mean we'd have to start four a year. Well, I think the Lord is stirring us up to do even more than that next year. So where are we going to go? Which one of you are going to come and help us? Well, we have the pastors. And let me just tell you, we never pick the next city. We pick the next leader. And they pick the next city. And we have some of the most integrous, humble, gifted leaders. And I'd love for you to meet some of them right now. Y'all come on out. Would you please give them a hand? Come on as they come out. Some of the new campuses that we have started. Come on, everybody. Y'all can do better than that. These are faithful, 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 faithful people. Faithful, faithful, faithful people. All right. Okay. Sit down. God is good. On the end here, we have bold people because where they're going to plant their church they, they're actually going to plant the church in Mayflower and uh, this is this is a couple that's going to be getting married very soon like in the month of May or so next year they're engaged right now really love you get around them a little bit and there's way too much love going I'll tell you that right now and uh, but tell us why in the world are you going to Mayflower is it because they don't wear skinny jeans there or what? I mean, what, what is the real reason? Why? Hey, every good worship leader wears skinny jeans and don't let anybody no, they tell don't. you No, they don't. Okay. I've, made, I've never been so sure about the answer to this. And it's, there's broken people there. Sometimes we can look at the Conway campus and we can look at the Little Rock campus and we don't even remember where we're driving through to get there. But the Arkansas God sees, says Mayflower is a people. They say there's a people that have needs and there's a people that have different needs than the campuses that we're at right now. And for that reason, I feel like Mayflower is going to benefit greatly from a relational church. It's going to change the whole scope of the community. I believe it. Blake and Ash. And here we have the betrayers. Uh, these faithful people leading worship, uh, Abe and Sierra have been over all of our worship leaders pretty much for the whole state of Arkansas, and uh, he's trying to change it up on us. And uh, so we're going to plant a church in Saline County, Benton and Bryant area. And, and Abe, who is an incredible worship leader, is going to go. Why? Why? Why are you going to go? Are you going to sing this answer or are you just going to talk it through? I'm why just, Why are you going? We're just going because Chad's going. <laughs> I think it better say this because I'm not there. That's why he's going. No, uh, we've, been, we've been friends with the Denmans for a long time. And uh, we know we've actually talked about it. Actually, even before that, we've, we always kind of joked that if they ever went and planted a campus, we would definitely think about it. And, uh, and so when they told us and, and we got asked we wanted to go. We prayed about it, and it was definitely something we felt like God was telling us to do. And so we are ready to connect with people and, uh, and just see what God does down there in the area through worship. Will you remember us? Mm, yes. You better. <laughs> All right, we have the Denmans. And uh, these are good people right here. Chad, Chad's been stepping up his game. Look at his brother dressed up here. He's looking good. But... Uh, 
I'm going to tell you, this, this is a family, this is a Baptist family, which it's really hard for a Baptist to change, uh, just look. but, uh, but they, they are willing to go and I appreciate their, their skill, like their love for God, their, their skill with people. These are just good people. Chet, why are you leaving the comfort of your current campus to Saline County? I think it has a lot to do with the moment that I pulled into a parking lot and I began to see people and more than just their faces, I began to see those that had this countenance of just excitement, um, passion. I began to get excited for them. Um, For those that had that countenance of just heavy, they were depressed, overwhelmed. um, My heart began to break for them. Um, And it was a parking lot in Saline County and my heart just aches and it breaks for these people. And I cannot wait to be able to bring a church there that is going to be able to have that moment in the presence of God like those people are going to be able to have because it's going to change everything for them. Kendall, are you going with them? Okay, all right, she's going. Okay, all the way, (laughs) the Barnes family. Everybody say what up. And uh, this is Bren and this is Calvin and and they're going to be planting a church in BB, Arkansas. That's right. Uh, tell us why you're going there and also tell us where BB is. <laughs> Google don't even know. Okay. <laughs> Google can't find it. Siri says, no. what? I don't know. <laughs> no, listen, uh, you know, we, I grew up in BB. And to be honest with you, we didn't want to go at first. But we, the more we prayed, the more we spent time with the people in BB, we just fell in love. Just like Chad said, our heart just broke for the city heart broke for the people. And I remembered hearing you saying one time that Arkansas was the kind of place where one person could make a difference. And we really believe that with God's help that we can make a huge difference in BB. And so now we're just so excited to be a part of what God's doing in BB, what God's doing in New Life Church. And we're just pumped. We love you, bro. I know you're going to do well. And for years, the Lord laid on my heart early on for us to have a campus in the inner city of Little Rock. And, uh, but to, to find the right leader, uh, people that have strong ability and integrity. There, there's a lot of people out there like that, but also who have your DNA. And, and I'm just gonna tell you, this is some of the strongest leaders I have ever met in my lifetime. And I am shocked that they're willing to work with us. I'm shocked about it. And, uh, so they're going to have, this is going to be different. In inner city, it's different than some of the areas that you might live in. And uh, like our music is really white. Have you ever noticed that? And uh, it's going to have to have some soul up in the inner city. So tell us about that. How are you going to do this? Why are you going there? Tell us about it. Well, first on the music, how about hip hop to opera? <laughs> Woo! How do you do that? Rick. We recognize uh, there's some unique opportunities in Little Rock. Uh, There's some unique challenges. The people have been uh, hurt a little bit by church. So uh, we recognize that we have to bring a church that's focused on the kingdom of God, one that's not going to point um, to one family or one man, but one that's going to turn the people's faces to God. We know New Life Church is that church. And Jeremiah 21. 9 and 11. We know the plans that God has for Little Rock. Come on. And we know New Life Church Come on. is in those plans. This is Marcus and this is Ramona. This is the Elliott family. They are major leaders and I love them. Thank God for you. 
Okay, the Moslers. A lot of people know the Moslers. And uh, I guess it was several months ago that Matt started speaking to me about an area where I'll, at first I thought I'm, maybe I didn't hear him right. And, uh, but as I started listening to him, and then they both started praying, and now it's been confirmed this is where they are going to go. And, uh, and it's, a, it's a place in Arkansas where if we do not go there, we're going to have to apologize to God. Because it is the most decrepit place in all of Arkansas. It's Pine Bluff. It's Pine Bluff. Those people need, they need the love of God there. Somebody that will love them. And these two are that way. Matt, why Pine Bluff? I heard you got to be tough at the bluff. And uh, I'll tell you why. Because nobody, and I mean nobody in the entire state of Arkansas can cook as well as the people of Pine Bluff. (laughs) Can I get a witness? No, I I love Pine Bluff. I love these folks. And and, and how many of you know that they got some issues in Pine Bluff? The more I hear about these issues in Pine Bluff, the more excited I get. The more I hear about the need in Pine Bluff, the more excited I get. The issues are not racial. They are not economic. They are not political. They are spiritual. There is a spiritual oppression in Pine Bluff. And the thought of bringing a life-giving, Christ-centered church to Pine Bluff and the Delta just lights my fire. Listen, while you're enjoying the clap, let me challenge you. Some of you, the Lord is going to stir your heart up to go and help with some of these. And we're going to have to send out like missionaries to go to Pine Bluff. And, and some of you, you can easily go and help at the, the downtown Little Rock campus. And uh, we, we have to have willing vessels. Each one of these, whether it's BB whether it's Saline County, uh, whether it's in Mayflower, the Lord is going to stir some of your hearts up to go and help us be leaders there. All right, what do you guys see? You guys like that? Get some new campuses? Come on now. Man. There's a couple of campuses that, that haven't even been mentioned yet that we know that we're going to go to maybe even this next year. Uh, Jonesboro. Clarksville, uh, and we also, we also are, are starting a new campus. We're, we're doing something different. We haven't done before. We know that God has asked us to do it, though, in, uh, in Florida, West Palm Beach, Florida. It's the most unreached county in the United States of America, and we're starting a campus. So we'd be praying for them because they just got hit by a hurricane, and, and uh, Kevin McManus and his team, you guys will be praying for them. It's funny because like a tornado will hit Nebraska and none of my staff call me and ask me about anything, but a hurricane happens in South Florida. They're like, we'll go and work there for like four or five weeks. We'll go take care of those people. So well, I know where they're at, but, and by the way, Pastor Rick kind of mentioned it, but we're going to need workers. We need leaders. Um, but we're going to be strategic about that, too. We're starting a school of ministry. It's going to start in Conway, but we're going to have it at every campus. You guys can follow, follow social media to stay up on all that. But it's going to be a certificate program that allows us to train pastors, worship pastors, admins to go and help us with these campuses. Be praying about that. So what do you do? What do you do? <laughs> You're like, I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Well, I'm not asking you to sign your name on a piece of paper necessarily, 
we could just push everybody towards serving around here and we need people to help us with the vision that God has given us here in Cabot. But I'm, I am asking you to, to sign up your heart. Just sign up your heart. Just put yourself in a position where you say, God, I'm open. I'm open. I'm willing to do what you want me to do. Let's pray together. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. Most important thing that you can know is that you are called and you are purposed. You are created for something bigger than yourself. And it's an incredibly fulfilling thing to experience, to step into. But it cannot begin until you know how much God loves you. It cannot begin until you have a personal relationship with him through his son, Jesus. And so I want to give you a chance this morning. If you're here today, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus. Maybe you did, but you've drifted away from him. You know that you are away from God. Maybe you need to rededicate your life. That's the way we'd say it. You need to come back to him. If you're either one of those people, you need to surrender your life to Jesus or come back to him this morning. Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to give you a chance just to respond to that with some boldness. If that's you, would you just put your hand up right now all over this room? Right now. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? I need to get right with Jesus today. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thanks. Got it. Yes, ma'am. Got it. Yes, sir. I got you here. My side. Anybody else? Four. Oh, I see you. I got you guys. Thank you. I see you guys. Thanks, girls. Anybody else? Five or six hands. Praise God. All right. Well, those that raised your hand, God, thank you, sir. Yes. Thanks for being bold, man. God, it's going to honor that. Anybody else? I just need to get right with Jesus today. Okay. For those few folks who raised your hand, just have a simple conversation with God right there in your seat. Just say, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I can't save myself. I ask that you come and give me a new life. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, I surrender my life to you as my Lord and my Savior. Help me to understand and grow in an understanding of your life and your love. Lead me by your spirit. Help me to understand your word. Help me to be connected to the body of Christ so I can grow in you. God, I thank you that by your spirit, you are stirring in all of us our part. Our part in the big picture that is your kingdom. God, I pray in Jesus' name that we would respond, that we would be obedient, that you would move in us, God, that we wouldn't sit back casually and and even convince ourselves that we got too much going on, we're too busy, or somebody else will do it. But that you would bring a conviction to our spirit that makes it very clear, no, we're the ones. I'm the one, and I'm ready to move. I thank you, God, that you're gonna be speaking to us about that over the next couple of weeks. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's give God a hand. We had seven or eight people raise their hand to get right with Jesus. Praise God for that. Come on. Amen. Let's all stand together. We're getting ready to worship God with our giving.
I want to point out this. If you guys can find one of these in the seat and pick it up, show me that you've got one, that you see one. Somewhere around you, it's the square one. It looks similar to your worship guide, so don't get them confused. But what we would like is for every family to take one of these with you, every family. And if, if you didn't have enough or whatever, for whatever reason, you can start by, stop by the Welcome Center. But we just want you to take this, and we want you to be praying over the next couple of weeks. In two weeks, we're going to ask for you to bring these back. We're going to ask that, that you come and you make a commitment. Okay, so here's the deal. We have faithful people around here. You're sitting in the product of their faithfulness right now. And we're so thankful for that. So some of you, you're doing exactly what God has asked you to do. And we just need you to be faithful in that. Continue. Be faithful with your commitments towards the building. Be faithful with your tithing. You're on the right track. But we have a lot of new people here. We want to give you an opportunity to be engaged with the vision as well. We want to give you an opportunity to have some skin in the game, some ownership in this, because this is what we know. Until you serve, until you give of your time and of your treasures, until you are invested, until you own this, this is just going to be a church that you like. And quite honestly, we could care less if people just like our church. We want people to own the vision of our church. So we want to give you a chance. Anybody that's new or maybe you've been around, maybe you're not new, but you've never truly engaged in the vision of reaching the state of Arkansas. That is what we're about as a church. There's a couple projects that we'd love to do around here. A couple finishing touches. We'd love to build an awning over here off the kids' sides for when there's weather so families can get in. We'd we'd love to pave this other entrance over here. There's a couple other things. Uh, Commercial kitchen at some point or another. Those are some things that you could be praying about that you would want to give to specifically. But I would ask you that you just seek God. God would be moving in your life. Maybe you've never tithed before. You've never been a being with the tithe. I'd encourage you, if you do nothing else, engage with God and trusting Him with the tithe. Be obedient to Him with that. God will bless you. And I know that once you do that, you'll want to give more because you're going to experience that life and life to the full. Let's pray over our giving. Father God, we come before you right now with grateful hearts. Thank you for giving us this building. God, we thank you that we're able to to fit more people, more souls, because of your faithfulness. And thank you for the people that were obedient. God, as we give right now, whether it's in the buckets or every person that's already given online or maybe they've mailed in or texted, however they give, I pray a blessing on every person cheerfully gives it is given because they see a bigger picture because God they've heard they've seen they've felt they've been compelled by you and they're moving towards being a part of your kingdom and I pray that you would just speak to all of us what our part needs to be as well in Jesus name amen let's give